Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brever. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh my God, how could he do that? Are you on Donate What? Charles Darwin. All right, so as we approach All-Star Weekend in the NBA, basketball is going to be stopping pretty soon. We still have some going on tonight, but today we're going to be doing a mostly All-Star Weekend themed episode. We'll predict our winners in all the events. We'll talk about some ways that we would improve it going forward so it becomes more exciting instead of, to me, sort of, unfortunately, a, a weekend where we just miss out on basketball for something that's not all that great. And then we will talk about some actual NBA storylines going on right now. We'll talk about Joel Embiid, obviously, which has sort of taken over the news lately, and we'll talk about some other stuff. But first, Logan, let's make our predictions for the uh, the actual competition. So we'll start with the skills challenge, because who cares? The competition, uh, the competitors this year, Bam Adebayo, Patrick Beverly, why? Spencer Dinwiddie, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Middleton, DeMontis Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, and Jason Tatum. Who do you have out of that group? Okay, Carson, I did a lot of research on these, man. Yeah. Uh, I would like to go on the record and say my dad still owes me from last year uh, when... Was it last year when Spencer Dinwiddie won yeah. the Skills Challenge? Yeah. Still owes me a Spencer Dinwiddie Brooklyn Nets jersey uh, from last year after he won the Skills Challenge. Calling the man out. Uh, yeah, I've got to call you out, Dad. I'm going with Spencer Dinwiddie, though, again. My boy's repeating. I'm taking Dinwiddie, too. It's a Skills Challenge dynasty. I am I don't even like... Who cares? It's, I, I why do they have the Skills it's Challenge? It's fun to watch. I enjoy it. There's just... There's two commercials in between the three rounds. It's just kind of dumb. It's just a... Taco Bell. Maybe maybe DeMontis Sabonis or Jason Tatum can can do some damage. Well, I think Bam actually would be intriguing if he could hit a three, but yeah. he's like a 12% career three-point shooter, so that's not going to happen. Let's move on to the three-point contest, where three-point shooting is everything, of course. We've got Davis Bertans, Devontae Graham, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Duncan Robinson, and Trey Young. Who do you have out of that group? So I like Bertans and Joe Harris, of mm-hmm. course, who doesn't, uh, but I'm actually going to take Damian Lillard in this one. Really? I like Dame Dalla, man. I would like Dame. If if this were an off-the-dribble from 30 feet, my top three guys would be Dame, Devontae Graham, and Trey Young. But considering the circumstances, I'm going to take Bertans just because the dude is a laser. He's a laser beam, and this isn't exactly simulating catch-and-shoot threes, but it's close to it. It's probably closer than off-the-dribble. So I'm going to take Bertans in this one. And I mean, Dame, yeah, he's an incredible shooter, but he's only like a... 36, 37% career three-point shooter, although he's up near 40 this year. Yeah, no, I, I played along with Bertans and Harris and Duncan Robinson, too. Like, all these guys. Just the catch-and-shoot guys. Yeah, really. Yeah. I, I don't... Why is Zach Levine here? Like, I get it, man, but Chicago. I really don't get it. No, I mean, he's by far the worst three-point shooter in this competition. Let's move on to the slam dunk contest, where we have Pat Connaughton of the legendary 44-inch vert that he has never really shown in-game. Aaron Gordon, one of the... Great dunkers of this generation, Dwight Howard and Derek Jones Jr. So this could be fun depending on what really what Aaron Gordon pulls out. I think he's the star to watch in this. Who do you have taken this? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got Aaron Gordon. I mean, especially after what he did to Zach Levine um, in the dunk contest and to him. Yeah, he was dunking on him. No, he did it to I him. I like that. I think Dwight and Derek Jones Jr. are going to bring some noise. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. But why is Pat Connaughton here? I mean, it's just because he has the vert, and everyone knows that he has the vert, and it's just a an NBA legend at this point, and people want to see it realized. I'm not excited for Dwight, because big man dunks aren't that fun, except for it young was, Dwight. Yeah, young Dwight was awesome. That's why I think it's going to be cool. We'll see. 
He, it's, he's 34 now. I don't know. Who cares? He's not exactly jumping out the gym in the same way. I would rather see Zion here than Pat Connaughton. And I know that didn't make a whole lot of sense, maybe, just because I guess Zion could get hurt, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to see Pat Connaughton do a two-hand dunk. What, what, that's He's going to get a 12? Like <laughs> 12 on a main dunk. And this is one of the rare opportunities where... You know, Zion could realistically be in the competition because he's a rookie. And soon enough, he's going to be too big of a star. He's going to be too good for the dunk contest. Well, LeBron was always too good for the dunk contest. But, Mm. I mean, that's just what happens is you get these guys when they're young. So we talked about, I mean, listen, that's not compelling. Like, none of that really revs my engine. So I say we dedicate more time instead of talking about the All-Star Weekend to talking about how we can improve the All-Star Weekend going forward. So I have a bunch of ideas down here, Logan, but I want to hear something from you first. So what do you have? So, uh, you know, I played with a lot of ideas and one that I came back to, Carson, maybe you'll disagree with me on this because I know a lot of people have enjoyed the new format. I'd rather just have it be East versus West. I think that, don't get me wrong, it was a cool idea initially, but it's just, there's no need for this to be a spectacle. We saw this in the NFL. They tried it with the Pro Bowl and they had Michael Irvin and like Deion Sanders and Barry Sanders and they'd come on and they'd draft these 50-man rosters on a four-hour spectacle on NFL Network, and it's not compelling. I don't care about who Giannis wants on his team. Just make it East versus West. I don't necessarily disagree, and I do like the historical legacy of East versus West and that you have guys, well, maybe not anymore with player mobility, but back in the day you had guys on the same team for a long time, and that was kind of a fun thing. I also would like to revise the draft format, but I will propose a different revision, which is that they do the draft during All-Star Weekend in person. Instead of having Giannis, you know, say, oh, I want Chris Middleton first, they can look these guys in the face and say, you're not getting picked. The scenario in which I would be very happy, now obviously this would be tough to do jersey-wise, I would love if it was just schoolyard pick right before the game. Oh, I, that would be awesome. I would be I would be okay with Giannis and LeBron going out there and going, gimme Kemba. I just think it would be so interesting, so much fun to watch. Or what about like even in between, what about before the final round of the dunk contest or something, they have the draft. Or maybe you don't have to interrupt something. I just think do it in person because then you have the dynamic of like people will get feelings hurt by that. Yeah. And that's fun. And this is a petty league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, f- feelings are going to get hurt. I just feel like it'd be such a cool format to watch. It'd be so un-NBA like that it would make it a little interesting. I agree. So I think that this next proposition is to me what could really save all-star weekend and what could make it great get us a one-on-one tournament or a two-on-two tournament or a three-on-three tournament any of those one-on-one would be the best but that's fun i had heard some rumblings in carson this actually benefits one of my uh, changes to the all-star game i said just make it 3v3 4v4 sets in the all-star game wow and the reason i say this is we saw it with the nhl they spiced it up in their all-star game with threes um i just think it'd be something interesting now i I'm not saying maybe change the all-star game. Maybe your idea is better. I Mm -hmm. think that could improve. It'd be, it'd be something people are actually invested in and interested in. You round up some guys and maybe guys who aren't all-stars, but who are there for the rising stars and the skills challenges. You could have a tournament that I would watch. I think the only issue with the idea you proposed is that then not all those guys get to play as much. And then I think that that's because a lot of the all-star game is just seeing those guys out there and then being recognized that way. But I totally agree in combination one-on-one would be the best, right? I mean, if it's a one-on-one tournament, who are you taking to win the whole thing? I know who my normal pick would be. It would normally be Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant isn't playing basketball right now. I'm thinking because you have guys like Giannis who are going to be tough defensively. Yeah. But I'm thinking with not a whole lot of defense being played because don't get me wrong, these guys, are, these guys aren't going to go super hard. 
They might go harder than you think because it's kind of embarrassing to get beat one-on-one in front of a bunch of people. I, I don't think they're going to go that hard, and for that reason, my pick would be James Harden. Harden, I think, is a good pick. I think I might take Kawhi because Kawhi, I, he's just lethal. He's just lethal from everywhere, and he's a clamp. LeBron's an interesting pick. Giannis, of course, is just hard to stop, but in half court every time, if he really comes up against I feel like, like— I feel like he'd put up some bricks. Well, and also, if it's, if it's Harden versus him— and it's he's trading ones for twos all game. He could get upset. And you know what matchup like I'd really like to watch? What Trey Young versus Giannis? That would be fun. Just watching Trey try to step back as far as he can to chuck up a three. Uh, yeah, I think if Giannis really wanted to try, I think he would destroy. Trey. I mean, he would literally never get stopped. There would be no. zero stops by Trey Young. No. That's one of the worst defensive players in basketball against the most unstoppable regular season player right now. So it sounds like we agree on that. And actually, my specific proposition, since obviously they can't keep adding events forever. Replace the skills challenge with that tournament. What do you think about that? Okay, so what are the criteria to getting in? Does the NBA select them? Is it just all-stars? How, how, can you explain a little more in depth on your format? So to make it feasible, I, I now I'm just freeballing at this point, but I would love to have a whole like 64-person draw. That's not going to happen. I say you do an eight-person tournament, and the NBA tries to get the best people in it. Maybe they make a selection, and if guys turn it down, guys turn it down, and then you know you go to whoever's next. But you have an eight-person tournament. You play... To 21, is that too much? Maybe you play to 11 or 15? Uh, yeah, I'd probably say 11. You play to 11, ones and twos, make it, take it. And, you know, I mean, that all in all, that event's only like two hours, two and a half hours. So that's not all that long. I mean, it's longer than the skills challenge, but it's feasible. It's it's a, it's a lot more interesting as well. I agree. Uh, my final proposition. Now, Carson, we've seen this adopted in the Big Three League. I'd love to see a four-point line. Now, in, in the Big Three League, they have a four-point uh, circle where you have to shoot inside. I would love if they could just put something in between you know, half court and the three-point line, and if we could get a four-point line. I think that would be awesome. It would be a little more interesting. Now, obviously, this year, I don't think it would work as well just because – uh, you know, with a new format to honor Kobe Bryant, it's it's a little different because in a regular All-Star game, you could cut leads very quickly with a four-point mm-hmm. line. I just think it would be awesome to watch. Well, didn't they try this with the celebrity game? Did they? I think so. Because I was trying to think. I was like, I feel like I remember something with All-Star Weekend. I agree. I would like to see a four-point line. Well, I just feel like if they did, why would they? I don't understand why they try this in the celeb game and not the actual game. I don't game. know. And for some reason, I feel like I I feel like they had a four-point line last year. I, I don't like think a, that's right. I have like a vivid memory of Ronnie 2K chucking up a, I don't know why, a four-point line shot. Yeah, I don't know. I have. I feel like I have a weird memory of someone taking a four-pointer last year. But then again, I mean, who can't, right? It's the All-Star Weekend. You got to mix things up. Yeah. I would like, I think a four-point line is cool. And for some reason, I feel like it might already exist, but I actually, I don't know. I've got a few more ideas. So here's one that I think is pretty cool. So I talked about how, you know, you can't keep adding things forever. So I say we take out the celebrity game because I've had enough Kevin Hart, whatever, whoever else, Justin Bieber, that was cool when he was 14. I don't think he's even done it since then. But instead of a celebrity game, you have two options. One might be a little bit complicated legally. You could do a game with players' kids now, I don't know how that works, but I'm just thinking, like, there's a bunch of intrigue in high school basketball. You get a little Bronny James, a little Zaire Wade. You can get a little leeway with no, the players don't have to be active. No. Rejected, rejected. My next proposition, a Legends game. I would watch that. Okay. Okay. I went one for two. I went one for two. That's fine. Propose, That's better than a celebrity game. Proposed Legends. Let me hear some. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. 
Oh, come on, man. MJ's not lacing them up. Dude, maybe. I'm going to dream. No, I mean, Dude, it doesn't okay. have to be. All I have to say, though, if he did, he's going for 60. I mean. He's dropping 60. Let's be honest. Even if it's Mark Aguirre, you're going to watch. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to see that. Well, Mark Aguirre is probably too old, but I don't know. He could try. It's well, a cutoff point. Like, am I going to see Larry Bird suit no, up? No, Bird is too. I mean, Bird was too old at the end of his career. So who are you using that? Like Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, recent guys? I think if you're up to like 52 and listen, if like, if Barkley wants to play, that's cool with me. Imagine Shaq. seeing Shaq. Shaq versus That'd Bar- be awesome. You, I'd watch that. And for whatever, you know, Kenny, Ke- if Kenny the Jetsmith wants to be in it, he'll be in it, even though he's not on the if same Ernie tier. If Ernie wants to lace him up. If Ernie, Ernie wants to lace him it. up, NBA T on T- TNT 2 on 2 could I be interesting. Watch that. I'd watch that. Ernie and Shaq versus, versus yeah. Chuck and Kenny. I'd watch that. Already better ideas than anything the NBA has. I've got a couple more ideas. These ones are about just the, the selection process, okay. though, so I can be quick with these. Take the top 25 guys. Forget position. Forget conference. Maybe top 26 because then you have 13 on each team. I just think there's a couple snubs that don't need to get left out like Devin Booker. And you can get rid of that if you just get rid of position, get rid of conference. Take the best guys. How do you determine the best 26 in the league? Coach and media. I think you get rid of the fan vote too. And I think also... The reserves, it doesn't make sense to me that that's all coaches. So I would have it all be 50-50 coaches media and just take 25 or 26 guys. And, you know, you just pick your take your pick of the litter. I think that makes it better and we get the best players in that way. So we fixed the All-Star game. We fixed how we get there. We fixed everything around it. These are all – we've sent all of these ideas to headquarters. They have been proposed to good old Addy Silver. He sent me an email back. And I can't say what he said, but – I think the one-on-one would be the coolest. Like, that's what I would be most excited about. Or the Legends game. Yeah, I mean, if or I the, saw... the children game. The children I game. I just think... Think about it. It's all going to be fun in games until uh, Bronny comes down and, like, tears D-Rose's kids' ACL. <laughs> Do you, PJ? Yeah. PJ's like six. Exactly. <laughs> that would suck. It's all fun in games until PJ gets hurt. Yeah. No, I agree. It is all fun in games until PJ gets hurt. Let's talk about some actual basketball. So the main storyline of this week was Joel Embiid comes out and posts a picture of uh, of himself on Instagram saying that you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Then Jimmy Butler comments, I know a place where villains are welcome. And Embiid says, damn right, my brother. My brother, which I was a little bit surprised by because this was, you know, after Sixers fans booed the Sixers against the Bulls. And then Embiid comes back after this game and gets booed against the Clippers. He had 26 and 28 minutes in the win over the Clippers. So first I'll ask you, is this a story at all? I don't think it's that big. I mean, Philly fans are notoriously hard on their athletes. The Eagles, you can ask them about how many times they've been booed off the field. When it comes to this situation with the Sixers, though, I think it could be potentially be interesting when if Embiid gets frustrated with the, the lack of winning, if they have no success in the playoffs for a couple of years and this snowballs into effect. It could just be another reason that Embiid would want to go or maybe any of these Sixers guys. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, nothing's going to come of this. This is, he's not going to Miami. That's not going to happen. And obviously the trade deadline just passed. He's just Embiid. He likes to stir the pot. But what I do think this gives us an opportunity to discuss is the Ben Simmons versus Joel Embiid discussion. Because I think there is becoming more and more of a consensus on the fact that these two guys can't play together long-term. So my question for you, Logan, is when it comes down to it, if you are Elton Brand, you're in that GM seat, which one of the two are you holding on to? Now, for the longest time, I was adamant that you have to hold on to Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. You have to. You can't let him go. He's too big of a talent. 
but I've changed my mind since then. Wow. And the reason being just because I don't know about Joel Embiid's health moving forward. Now, yeah. Ben Simmons obviously had his struggle sitting out his entire rookie season, but Embiid has just had so many. I don't think you can trust him with with your franchise, basically. I would rather invest my franchise in Ben Simmons. I'd move Embiid away. I'd get Simmons a wing shooter something because I think Simmons could potentially be if he maximizes all his abilities. And I, I don't know. I think there's a work ethic question in there when it comes to Ben Simmons. But if he maximized his potential, he could be a Giannis light. Yeah, and a better passer. Not He'll never be the finisher because he's not 6'11". He's not as jacked as Giannis. But I mean, yeah, that's the ideal vision. And to your point, if if Embiid misses two more games this season, he will have never played 65 games in what could be the sixth season of his career because he missed the entire first two seasons. So health is a legitimate argument for Simmons. And then also you combine this with the fact that the reason this conversation even exists is because Embiid's really having a down year. All his raw numbers are down. He's shooting 36% out of the pick and roll, which is abysmal. He's one of the worst pick and roll finishers in basketball this year, probably because he's settling too much because of just their abysmal spacing. But we can't forget this man averaged 27 and a half points, 13.6 rebounds and 3.7 assists per game last year. And then on the other side, Simmons is having a career year. So it sort of comes closer. But when you look at them as basketball players, they're both all defense level guys. I think that on a day to day basis, Simmons is a better defender because he's more consistently engaged and just generally tries harder. And that is the problem with Embiid this year is the effort has been lackadaisical because he's devalued the regular season. And we've seen that that has led to them just having a terrible regular season. And yes, Simmons is great in transition when he has space. We don't really know what he is in the half court because he's always played in a congested offense because of Embiid. And especially now with Horford, it could be that he's a great pick and roll roll man. But with Embiid's offensive skill set, the fact that he has the the best post game in basketball, he's shooting like 34% from three this year, which is up. He is an incredible athlete, not just as far as his coordination and his body control, but just raw athleticism too. He's a powerful athlete and he doesn't have Simmons' half court limitations. So I think I would have to go with Embiid because yes, the health is a legitimate concern and Simmons could be really, really special. I mean, Simmons is great and that is obvious, especially when Embiid isn't out there. I just think Embiid, has shown us. I mean, last year he was a top 10 player in basketball. He averaged 27 and a half. This surprises me because you were one of the biggest Ben Simmons fans. I really I like know. Ben Simmons. I really like Ben Simmons. So I don't know. This just surprises me. I figured with, you're a logical guy. I just figured with Embiid's injury concerns, you wouldn't take that risk. Well, I think that that's, I mean, that is the case. But I think that also what we're seeing from Embiid, who's having like really a down year, a legitimately down year. After this disastrous season, I think that it could end up that the Sixers just never pull it together and they have an early playoff exit. And if that's the case, I think he's going to snap out of this. I think we are going to see the best Joel Embiid ever next year. And that is scary for the NBA. He scares the NBA more than Ben Simmons. That's undeniable. When he's at his best, it's special. It is so special. I think that the Sixers just have to move some pieces around to see what works because I don't know. What we've seen so far is that Simmons and Embiid can't play together. That's what we've seen so far. Now, I guess that's the case for everybody until they break through that, you know, that that ceiling. But you've got to move Horford. You've they have to. Yeah, you have to move Horford. What do you do with Josh Richardson? Richardson's fine. I mean, Richardson is not the problem. So do you hold on to Richardson and Harris and then replace Horford with a guy who can stretch the floor more and doesn't clog the lanes up? Maybe more of a natural three that you move down to the four. What, what do you do? If I were the Sixers, my number one thing that I'd be looking for is an elite point guard, like an actual point guard, because Simmons can be your point guard in transition. That's fine. But that's not his role in the half court. Like he's not a half court ball handler because he can't shoot. So no one's scared of a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid pick and roll, despite the fact that they're two great so players. You move. 
Uh, Simmons to the four, or Harris to the four. On offense, just have Simmons at the four. Simmons at the four, and then move Harris to the three. I mean, the positions aren't all that important because okay. those are the guys that are going to be out there. I guess the question is, which point guard is it? Because Lowry's not going to be available. That's been made clear. D'Angelo Russell just got moved. Uh, the guy I would love to see here, and I've been adamant that he's the guy, I would love to see Chris Paul on the squad. I think it would be, That'd be awesome. Great. That'd be incredible. A Chris Paul, Joel Embiid pick and roll. And this is the thing with Embiid is he's never been really a pick and roll guy because of Ben Simmons. He's been his point guard. So he's always been a post player. But I think he could be lethal in the pick and roll, especially if if his three-point shooting becomes more consistent like we saw at a rookie Joel Embiid where he was like a 37% shooter from three, which was part of what made him such a unicorn. He's just so special. And Simmons is having the best year of his career. But he hasn't really concretely improved in any specific area outside of defense. Like his defense is the best it's ever been. That dude has a knack for just getting the ball and he can guard anyone. But offensively, he's always been dominant in transition. He's always had that incredible vision. He's always been a good at-room finisher. But he's added nothing besides that. So I don't know. I just have a little bit more faith in Embiid with regards to that. But let's move on to some teams that are doing a little better than the Sixers right now. There's a bit of a race for the one seed in the West right now, and maybe most people aren't paying attention to it, but I think that there's a race. So, Logan, I will ask you this. Can the Nuggets or the Clippers catch the Lakers as the Lakers have slipped a little bit, and the Nuggets in particular have been playing really well? Yeah, so I'm going to start with the Clippers. Uh, The Clippers cannot, and the simple reason is that they load manage too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe Kawhi's longest streak on the season is seven straight games. Are you serious? Yeah. That's insane. Here, I wrote it down here. Let me, uh, six. Six straight games. (gasps) Come on, that's a joke. I looked through his game logs and it's inactive, uh, out, injury, back, inactive, inactive. And so, and he's been the reliable one of the two. I mean, Paul yeah. George has only played 27, 28 games. So, yeah, I just think the Clippers are kind of chilling through this yeah. regular season. They're going to get crank it up during the playoffs. Um, and I don't think it's going to hinder them. I think they're going to be one of the best teams uh, in the league. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the Nuggets, though, the Nuggets are a more interesting case I don't think they can do it, though. Okay. And the reason being is I've looked. They aren't as good a road team. And yeah. here are some of the road matchups they have the rest of the way. The Thunder, the Clippers, the Lakers, Raptors, Clippers again, and Utah. I just think it's a very tough stretch the rest of the way. You would, I just don't see the Lakers slipping like that. Now, obviously, you have a big swing game there against L.A. eventually, where if they win, you get a game up on L.A. directly. I just don't see it happening. The Lakers, I expect the bench to continue dominating. I expect LeBron to will this team to keep the one seed. So that is the key matchup tonight that you mentioned. The Lakers and the Nuggets play tonight, and the Nuggets are currently three games back. They're one-to-one on the season head-to-head against the Lakers. So if they if they win this, they get the tiebreaker there, and they're only two games back. And so they then they are really within reach of that one seed. The Clippers, I agree, have no chance. They're four games back, and they just don't care enough. But the Lakers, six and four in their last ten, while the Nuggets are eight and two. And the Nuggets, since December 12th, which is basically when you can pinpoint Nikola Jokic decided to start trying. This team has been right up there with the best in the NBA. They're 24 and eight, which is the best record in the NBA, much better than the Lakers at 18 and nine. They're 10 and four against 500 plus teams, which is insane. They have the number two offense in basketball after a pretty rocky start there. And Jokic is averaging 23.8, 10.4 and 7.3 on 55, 39, 81 shooting splits. While Jamal Murray is averaging 19.8 and 4.7 assists on 47, 35, 89 shooting splits. So they're playing incredible basketball and they have a huge incentive to push for that one seed because that means so many things. That means, first of all, 
you avoid either the Thunder or the, or the Mavericks in the first round. Two very legitimate teams that like, listen, the Ma- the Mavericks could beat, I mean, they could beat the Nuggets. That is within a, the realm of possibility. I think the Mavs could beat the Lakers. I don't think so. I think the Lakers are too good. The Lakers no, are. Doncic is a monster. The Lakers are a better basketball team, especially when it comes to the postseason conversation. But the Nuggets are going to want it. Jokic is playing out of his mind right now. And I think that they could do it. I would not bet on it. But the door has been left open, and they're playing really well right now. No, you're right. I think the Mavs could push Lakers six. I think the Mavs could very well upset the Nuggets. And all it would take is Jokic disappearing for two games. And also, I mean, the Mavs, I don't know if they still do now that Luka's been out for a few games, but for almost the entire season, they've had the best offense ever. So it's tough to bet against the best offense ever for an entire series. Like, I would pick the Nuggets because they're a better two-way team, but that's scary. You want to know something, Carson? Enlighten me. You're my favorite Nuggets fan. You know that? I, I okay. I'll take it. I'll take. I mean, I do own a shirt that says "This guy loves Jamal Murray." So you, you kind of just. I have heard you now. I guess this will change next season when Steph Curry is back. I've heard you talk zero minutes of Warriors basketball. I mean, they're an irrelevant basketball team, and I don't bring bias into my journalistic ventures. Good, nice credibility. Thanks, man. I'm gonna actually. I'm not going to do this, but I I thought about today. I tweeted something about. I actually I tweeted some of the stats that I just read about how great the Nuggets have been, and I thought maybe I should do a, a statistical analysis of what percentage of my tweets are about which NBA team. And then I was like, wow, that's so much work, and no one else cares. I care, but that's not feasible, Carson. Get it together. Carson, you would do all of this. Yeah. You'd make a pie chart. I would. It'd be and beautiful. you'd get three retweets. I, no, I would. I would get zero retweets. I did this whole, I did this in-depth statistical dive about Dwight and how bad he was as a post-up player in Houston and how that's the greatest failure of his career. And Vaughn Jones liked it. Shout out Vaughn Jones and my mother. So, you know, I I like my, I like my Twitter. I like my Twitter. We got one more conversation for you today. It's going to be a pretty quick pod because we are sort of, we're not in the doldrums of the season, but we're about to enter, of course, All-Star Weekend when there's no basketball. So there's not all that much to talk about, but one last topic are the Spurs officially out of the playoff race now, Logan? Because they've lost five of six. They had just lost five in a row before they picked up a big win against the Thunder last night. They're four and a half games back of the Grizzlies. Is their season over? And is the streak over? Yeah, I, I think it's done. Um, they have the second worst road record in the West. The West is cutthroat, and they're 8-19 on the road. That's <laughs> The Sixers are 9-19 and on the road. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. In unbelievable. I know. It's it's like that's the weirdest split ever. The Sixers, I think, are twenty four and two at home and nine and nineteen on the road, or something. I think right they're like twenty four and three, but yeah, you're uh, you're on the right track. I'm on the right track. They're twenty five and two and nine and oh, nineteen. Oh wow, twenty five and two at home. That's nuts. They have the best home um, record in basketball. Back on topic, yeah. I think it is. And <laughs> Carson, if there was one thing I wanted to get right in my preseason predictions, it's probably this: that the streak would finally come to an end. Yeah, I got my MVP wrong. I got my defensive player of the year wrong. I got everything wrong. But you know what I did predict? I did predict the Spurs were not going to make the playoffs this year. And I'm not happy about that because I definitely wanted to see it continue. But I also did pick the Kings to make the playoffs. Yeah, I was going to say, who was that pick to make the playoffs? I think that it's over too. And I actually, so basically when LaMarcus Aldridge started really shooting threes at a high volume, I was in on the Spurs because I was like, this is, they were an elite offense for a while. And their offense 
has been really good. And DeRozan and Aldridge have been great. They're shooting the lights out as a team after a brutal shooting start to the season. And obviously they're incredibly deep. Brent Forbes is having a good season. Patty Mills is having a great season. DeJounte Murray's having a good season. But it just comes down to one issue. And this was the thing is I said, they do have to turn their defense around. And their defense never turned around. They have the 25th defensive rating in basketball. That's just not good enough to make the playoffs. Carson, I will pose a question for you. Okay. Stylistically. Yes. Do you think Greg Popovich is done? No. Well, no. I mean, I don't think that this this team's lack of success is his fault because he just doesn't have good defensive personnel. And like pop coaching defense has never been a question. Although I have to say, actually, he doesn't have terrible defensive personnel. I mean, especially at the guard spots. Derek White's a good guard defensively. DeJounte Murray's a very good guard defensively. Pirtle is actually having a pretty nice season as a rim protector, but DeRozan's liability, Aldridge, Aldridge is really a liability. Rudy Gay's not great. So I don't think all that much of the fault falls on him. Is this one of his worst coaching jobs? Probably, but he tried to salvage this season and I thought he was going to do it. I really did. I thought the Spurs were going to be in the playoffs and now the Grizzlies just look too solid and the Spurs are too flawed. How much longer do you think the Spurs have with Popovich at the helm? One year. Or actually, yeah, so he's coaching the 2020 Olympics. Wow, that's coming up sooner than we think. This might be it. Because that's always been my assumption is that he'll, you know, he signed up to do the 2020 Olympics, so he'll do that. But he doesn't have a season of basketball after that. I think it might be just time. Yeah. I. It's. It sucks that in the last year he's going to miss it. But then again, it's the first year and the last year will be the only two years of his entire coaching career that he misses it, which is it's incredible. It is kind of poetic. This is one of the greatest streaks in sports. It really is. 20, what is it? 22 straight years? Yeah, it's either 22, 23. It's something like that. They won 50 plus for like 18, including in that lockout shortened season when they went 50 and 16. I mean, it's really one of the incredible dynasties of sports. I mean, I think we've seen Carson. I think we've been blessed to see the two greatest coaches, I think, in sports history. And, you know, obviously I'm not a big soccer guy, so I don't really know how much that impacts or can can what you a, enlighten me? What a I'm random poll. I don't know. I'm I don't just, know who the great soccer coaches I, are. I don't know. I'm just saying that maybe I'm not, maybe I'm doing the rest of the world a discredit by Jürgen, saying. Jürgen. Jürgen. Klinsman. Jürgen Klinsman. I think that was his uh, He's name. my pick. The dude who was, no, is he the U.S.? He was. And I think he was also Bayern Munich or something. This is terrible content. This is. We have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> we're actually a soccer podcast We are actually. Now. We're trying out um, soccer. No, I think. Football. We, I think that we've just been blessed to experience the two of the greatest coaches in sports history in Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich. And if this is it, just appreciate the greatness that, that we saw. I agree. It's been an incredible run. Obviously, the majority of it was with the big three of Duncan, Manu, and, and Tony Parker, which was really a unique big three in the fact that, you know, Manu was only a two-time All-Star. And I don't know if we'll ever have a big three like that again. Well, and again, it's so hard to think about the Spurs rebuilding because they've they've always gotten – they started out. And when you get Tim Duncan and you get David Robinson mm-hmm. and Ginobili and mm-hmm. Tony Parker, you have a bunch of assets already. and. Yeah. Instead of moving them, they kept them together because that's what you did. They let them grow together. And then they nailed their late picks. Yeah. And so then you'd be able to deal them away. And it just seemed like they'd never be bad again. So it's just going to be really weird to see them in the lottery this this year. The Spurs have never been bad in our lifetimes. And that's not true of, besides the Patriots, any other organization in sports. I mean, the Celtics have been bad this past decade. The Lakers were terrible this past decade. Okay, Logan is mouthing to me that the Steelers have never sucked, but they've gone 8-8 eight eight a couple times. Yeah. 
They've never well, been we've, bad. We've never seen a streak. The Spurs have literally saying. never missed the playoffs. That's and the Patriots only missed the playoffs when they won 11 games. So that's like... With they are, Matt Castle. With Matt Castle. So it's they're always good. That's that's crazy to think about. Yeah. I don't really know what we talked about today, Carson. We kind of just... This was a weird pod. It's very strange. I think it started out... I was a little bit off-put. Even though we choose what we do here, it feels like sometimes big media is compelling us. I felt like big media was telling us that we had to do our all-star event picks. And I was like, I don't care about the all-star events unless you make them fun and have those kids go out there. The six-year-old kids. Not PJ. PJ. I want PJ crossing people like his dad. I want to see Brandon Roy's kid, whoever that is, balling. That's what I'm paying the big bucks for. Greg Oden, the progeny of these elite athletes that we never got to see live out their full potential. Our boss actually came in here and told us before the pod that we'd yeah. have to do an all-star episode. And we said, look, look, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But but I will. I have a question. Sure. Does Luke Walton count for the kids game? Yeah. For the NBA Always. kids game? Clay doesn't though. Bill does too. <laughs> Bill's son of Fred? Yeah. All right, great stuff today, Logan. Uh, we're, we're just going to wrap it up. Uh, we're just going to keep spitballing here. I hope you all enjoyed our very short, very brief all-star episode of Nerd Sesh. I've been Logan Camden. I've been Carson Brower. And this has been Nerd Sesh.